I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. You guys are going to love this one. I'm so excited for our listeners that are here in Los Angeles with us. We're kicking off a series of Rebel Radio live interviews on stage at the Ace Hotel downtown Los Angeles. Couldn't be more excited to be kicking this off. April 4th is going to be our first event. Uh, my very, very special guest, Anna Kasparian, she's uh, one of the hosts of the Young Turks. If you guys follow the Young Turks, I know millions of people out there do. Um, she's got some really interesting stories to tell, and I think it's going to be a fun night. I hope you'll all join us. Get over to rebelradio.net or any of our social channels and uh, find out how to get tickets. Coming up April 4th, Rebel Radio Live. Hi, this is LaRussi, and you're listening to Rebel Radio. Fuck Josh. Damn. Fuck. Anybody not know that? Or not. You have choices. Make your own decision here. <laughs> What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up? What up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh -huh. Rebel Radio is going down. Would you say Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the Rebels that are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show to bring you new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. I'm your host, Josh Levine. My guest in studio today is LaRussi, a great new pop R&B singer. Her single, Lost, is blowing up on the Billboard dance charts right now as we speak. And uh, she's got some great stories of, of reinvention. She was on her way building a great career in the Netherlands and, um, you know, tells us about how something was missing and it was time to, to shake it up. So she came to the U.S. and has been reinventing herself. Um, she also talks us through a really interesting personal challenge that wasn't necessarily bad for business, but um, given her, her background and her family life, uh, it was a big challenge for her to overcome anyway. Uh, great stories from her and her manager, my old, old friend, Adrian Miller. 
came through with her to talk about some of his stories, as well as um, really exploring that manager-artist relationship and, and why it's so important and how it can work really well. So good stuff coming up on Rebel Radio right after the EDM.com track of the week. Kim with Ethereal, the EDM.com track of the week. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com, check out more new music. And right now, let's get into my interview with LaRussi and Adrian Miller. Talk about uh, the two of you. And uh, so welcome to Rebel Radio. Thanks Thank for you. doing this. Thank you for so I'm excited me. to learn about you. And um, Adrian, I'm glad you're here because I think, um, first of all, we have, you know, we'll talk about our history a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've come to sort of understand that the manager and artist relationship is really the key for a career. And so I want to kind of dig into a little bit of what that looks like. Um, but first, uh, so I have a question for both of you. Do you remember the first record you ever bought? Absolutely. Yeah. Lucy. It was Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston. It was I will always love you. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Was that was that a big impact on you at the time? Yeah, she was. She was a huge impact for me musically because she was the greatest vocalist ever to me. Mm. And uh, when she came out with that record, I was like. That's it. <laughs> nobody, nobody can beat her nice. as a vocalist, as a performer. You know the way she carried herself as a woman. Uh, yeah, she made s- such a change to the world musically. Sure. And uh, great personality as well. And uh, I admired her since I was a little kid. Yeah. Unfortunately, I never saw her live on stage, so I really regret that I never went to the shows. Yeah. I didn't. You ever see Whitney live? Never. No. But who produced it? Yeah, we talked about it this yeah. week. I don't know the the name. Um, and his face is in my face, but his name is. <laughs> I don't know who produced that record. Uh, I mean, Nar- Narda Michael Walton. Oh, okay. Narda, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I didn't know that. Narda, he did Bodyguard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. What was your first record? In 1977, I purchased Double Dutch Bus. Stop on, it. On Western at uh, Fat Daddy's Records down the street. 
some uh, my house. I didn't have a record player, mm. but I liked the artwork. I was really attracted to the artwork. That's the first twelve inch I ever bought. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's that's so funny. That's crazy. That yeah. Crazy. It was I bought seven inches before that, but that was my first twelve inch. And I was gifted the next. That wasn't an album. That was like. Yeah. Uh, that was a giant maxi single. Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> they had other like jams on it. No, actually, it was just two. Um, was that on Casablanca? Am I tripping? I think it was. Susan's saying yes. We got it. It was. Yeah, because I just remember the artwork. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I just remember the. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. looking at it like yeah. I was mesmerized by that whole experience of going in. Do you know this record? No. Uh, it's a, <laughs> is this crazy that I don't? No, it's not. A, it's not crazy. Yeah, I'm gonna play it for you one yeah. day. It's, it's, I have it no wasn't, idea. It didn't, you know, that record never crossed over, but it was a huge mm. urban, you know, disco hip hop oh. record. So important. So. How did so? How did you get started singing? Oh, I started singing at school actually. Mm. Uh, Christian song. Christian song. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you sang for an audience? Yeah, I was twelve. Yeah. Uh, my parents were in the audience. It was for the whole school, and I remember the teacher gave me this part where I could sing all the songs in the musical. And my parents didn't know that I was singing. Oh wow! Yeah, so they came out. Yeah. And they were like, why did you hide this from us? I said, well, I never hid it. I just didn't know I had a, a voice like this. Mm. So they were like, what do you want to do next? I said, well, can I have vocal lessons or can I explore? They said, anything you want to do, we'll, yeah. we'll have your back and we'll support you. Nice. And they never stopped doing that. That's so cool. So yeah, I've been very thankful for, for that. that did you start thinking of that as a career uh well as soon as i started singing more you know talented shows uh theaters like there was a program called the sound make show in the netherlands mm -hmm. and one of my friends she was my dance dancing teacher she was like i'm gonna sign you up for it i said well who am i have to be so she said well why don't you be Vanessa Williams? Because you have mm -hmm. to be someone else and they make you look like that person, that artist. Like you sing in a cover. You sing a cover, yeah. yeah. And But you have to come so close to the artist's voice. Oh, really? Yeah, so you really, ha uh, it's, it was one of the po most popular shows back home yeah. and I used to watch it since I was little. And the guy was like, the the host was like, a, was like an idol in my country. So, I went to the auditions and, you know, we bought the whole outfit and uh, she dressed me up as Pocahontas and I auditioned with the song Colors of the Wind. Okay. I got through and then they said, well, we already had that song in the broadcasting show, but mm. why don't you do Save the Bass for Less?
so that's how I had my first de debut show, basically. Oh, wow. And it was crazy. And uh, uh, yeah, from that moment, it went very fast. Yeah. The next show was Idols in the Netherlands. Uh -huh. And that's when my whole career started, basically. Wow. I was very young, yeah. Okay, I want to talk about that, but, but sidebar, you know, Vanessa Williams, like her whole career got torpedoed by the Playboy thing, right? Yeah. And, you know, I remember for me, like, you know, uh, Comfort Zone was a big record. Like, I, I just, I love that record. But, I, and, and I remember, that was around the same time, more or less. And like... I, I would disagree with that. <laughs> well, because I it's a fact. Well. It's a, but it's a fact, though. You can disagree. What? You can disagree. Well, I guess what I'm saying... <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is like, I don't know, you know, I'll get the timeline wrong, but I think she didn't work for a number of years. Oh, no. No, that's true. Yeah. Absolutely. She got, right? she had to get wifed up. Yeah. And she had to Shout out to Ramon. her whole career. Ramon. And somebody told me they had worked with her and it was like super sore subject for her if it ever came up or whatever. And, um, and that's not even something, I mean, you know, she posed for that. Right. Yeah. It's not like that got leaked. It's not like a tape that got leaked that, that she didn't know was happening or something like that. But he, I'm just saying how much the world has changed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. I've experienced something, but it was very embarrassing. Yeah. But it was viewed like a lot of times and it was. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> you have to tell them that. Oh. You can't. You can't it's partially. Crazy. You can't partially yeah. say so it. So I was. I was in this program in the Netherlands, and we, it was for a charity. And we were. I was singing with Glennis Grace. She basically just was in America in this broadcasting show here in America. Okay. She almost reached the finals with Simon Cowell. Mm. Anyways, so great singer in the Netherlands, and another singer, and we were the Dream Girls. So the whole production team says, let's start the cat fight, you know, at the end of the song. Guess what happened? One of the girls started <laughs> like seriously. And then she grabbed my dress and she pulled it down. And it was like a second. <laughs> no way. And the second has been viewed like. Sure. And I was so embarrassed. And I, and I wasn't even sure that it happened. Uh -huh. And the whole production team didn't say anything really until i sat in the dressing room and my friend said do you actually know what happened i said did it happen or not she goes yes so i had to call my father and you know prepare him for all the drama yeah and i was super embarrassed but you know one of my boobies came out uh -huh. and it was an accident yeah where is this uh, on YouTube? <laughs> Adrian! I'm only asking. No. Uh, Adrian. You got big ass rings on. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, I mean, that's. So, it's interesting. It sounds like, though, that was. So, that was an embarrassing moment for you. Very much. But there, was, there, there wasn't any backlash. No. Right. It's not like Janet Jackson. That no, but like everyone blamed for this whole nonsense, right? No, but I come from family. I have a, my father is Islamic. Sure. So it was for me a big disgrace yeah. to my family. And yeah. No, I don't. I don't mean to minimize it. So but in the Netherlands, they don't. You know, they don't care. Right. It's like nothing. Yeah. The more, the better. Right. <laughs> sure. 
So it's just more my feelings or it's No, but, but that's so interesting, right? Because there's, um, there's just a difference between what matters personally and professionally. Yes. Right. And I think, you know, you, all of us have to find the right balance. Yes. And sometimes without, uh, sometimes not our choice. True. Yeah. Well, I had many discussions with my father. Yeah. <laughs> about clothes, you know, how far. Sometimes he disagreed, but, you know, now we find a way. He still sometimes talks to me, tries, and I really respect him, like he's my best friend. Mm. But, you know, I, I grew up in a different world than he. Yeah. And I told him also that sometimes I dress up differently and I will never go to too far where I would put you really to disgrace. Mm -hmm. So he knows. I think as long as we know that we're really happy to have HoneyBook as a sponsor of the Rebel Radio Show. I know a lot of you are entrepreneurs or you got your side hustle or you're in, uh, you're, you're in creative businesses like I am. And... Um, you need all the tools you can get to, to allow you to focus on your work and your creativity. Let the admin and all the other stuff uh, take care of itself and not get in the way. You know how to make your clients look good, but you know the, the administrative task can sometimes be a struggle. So use HoneyBook. It's an online business management tool that lets you control your client communications, your bookings, contracts, invoices, all in one place. Let's you focus on your freelancing or building your business and, uh, and helps you stay organized. You can even use it with services that you're already using like QuickBooks, Google Suite, MailChimp. I'm sure there's, there's many, many others. Uh, so take care of your business with HoneyBook. Right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off your first year with the promo code REBEL. Payment's flexible and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. So go to HoneyBook.com, use the promo code REBEL for 50% off your first year. Get paid faster, work smarter with HoneyBook.com, promo code REBEL. Okay, so you go through that, the, the TV shows, um, and you said like things just start happening. So what's the, um, was there a moment when you feel like, this is um, like this is happening that you're you know things are different today than they were yesterday like here in the United States or uh -huh. back home what, what what brought you to the US oh um, after you know making music in the Netherlands releasing my albums I realized I I needed something else. Mm. I needed to be triggered. I, I needed to challenge myself. I always wanted to go abroad, mm -hmm. and I didn't. I didn't feel at home. I wouldn't say that people didn't understand me, but I always felt I was different in a way, and I couldn't be that person back home. So that's why I left, and it was the best decision I ever made because. Yeah. Yeah, this these last years have been such a roller coaster of a great musical experience. Uh, such a, so many things I learned, 
so many amazing musicians I, I got to meet and just the whole uh, way of working with Philip Lawrence for example who um, basically became like a mentor during the making of my album mm. I learned so much from him as a songwriter I never got to work with somebody like him and he learned me you know a different way of songwriting just not to give up on the song even mm. if you have just one strong uh, line word mm -hmm. and I think we like one of the songs that ended up in, on my album was forever every day and we had like 21 versions and wow. the, the song drove me nuts eventually yeah and Philip went like, okay, I like this melody, I like this version, I like that melody, that version. And then I was like, I still want to add the bass line. Okay, add the bass line. And then my my <laughs> my other guy, Sean, said, no, I, I feel like you need to be more closer vocally with yourself. So it was like this whole experience like made me uh, realize that, you know, you can always perfect mm -hmm. things as long as you don't go nuts. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's so interesting because you, um, you know, what it takes to to make a song. I mean, you're just talking about one song, right? And then yeah, it was three years, dozens and dozens of times. <laughs> yeah, right? but you know, what it takes to make that song, and by the time it's done, you're sick of it. No one else has even heard it. I haven't even performed it yet. Right, <laughs> and then you know, let's say the song is a hit. Then you're going to perform it dozens or hundreds of times you're going to hear it thousands of times and um i you know it's so i'm always like i think it's so interesting the difference between your perspective then versus a fan yeah who loves the song and has heard it 25 times and yeah. just thinks it's great and you're like been sick of it since it was even done but that's the life I just, I just feel like, you know, it's, it's nice that I actually can talk about it with you mm. because I don't get to get, get a chance to talk about the whole process behind the scene. Sure. But we really, we really spend a lot of time. Uh, I spent only five mo months mixing. I drove him crazy eventually. Not bad. <laughs> and Tech was like, okay, you sure you want this? Yeah. And I really sat down with him. I fine-tuned it like till the moment I was like okay that's it and he really got my back and he was like you know this is actually the process for me uh, that I like the most mm. because normally a record label comes to me and they give me a month to mix it so right. this is great that yeah. we can sometimes you can step ahead step aside I mean and then listen to the song at different places and even you hear different things as well you know I've had played I played songs in so many different rooms just to be sure that I was hearing it mm -hmm. the right way. Sure. And the crazy thing it was the car I trusted the most. Yeah. And the car has always been didn't matter well, didn't matter what car, but it always has been my safety place and just yeah. the place where you know, I end up driving for hours sometimes after a studio session just mm -hmm. to, to listen what I did and I can learn from it. I hear something strange so yeah I enjoyed that process very much that's cool how'd you guys meet I'm sorry 
guest. Huh? Be my guest. You want me to tell our journey? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So we met actually through uh, our lawyer, Channing Johnson. Okay. And uh, I met Adrian at the record plant. Where she recorded the entire album. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and once he came in, we we had a great conversation. Yeah. And I immediately liked his energy, and uh, I was like, okay. Well, I hope he likes my music because <laughs> that's you know is the one thing you have to test. Nobody sure. had heard it unless uh, except for the team. Yeah. So he came back another time, and we sat down and. I took the time to, to listen to the songs, you know, and we started talking more and more, and um, I really liked his thoughts. I, I liked where he came from, uh, you know, building on, on an independent level. Like mm -hmm. I was signed up in my early days through BMG and Sony BMG, and the last three years we did everything independently, and I felt like Adrian was the right man, mm. yeah, to partner up with. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, we, he and I, we, we did an event together in uh, in November, yeah. which was the first event, which was the release party for, for the single Lost. And that was great. And after that, we, do, we just started. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So Adrian, I know you worked at, you know, we were trying to remember before we started how we met. I don't, but I know it was, you know, I know it's been 25 years at least. Um, Long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know you've worked with, with many, many great, talented, and successful artists, um, which we can talk about. But uh, at this point, how do you know, besides the music, I'm going to assume that you have to love the music, um, but I'm sure you'd also agree that there's plenty of people that make good music that you probably don't want to work with for various reasons. Um, so besides the music, how do you know if you want to work with somebody? What are you looking for? I mean, my personal thing is their personality. You know, and as much as I want them to like me, I want it. It's a creation of friendship. You, mm -hmm. know? you don't really reinvent that will. Mm -hmm. You want to be around a room with people you get along with. Um, unfortunately, like you and I, we don't get to spend enough time together, but mm -hmm. I consider you a dear friend. Sure. Um, and it's so funny that when Susan was like, oh, we're going to do Ripple Radio, I was like, huh? We? I don't know if I want to be on, but I said, you know what? If, if Josh is having me, there's no way I can turn that down. Appreciate that. Yeah, man. You know, um, I don't do a bunch of interviews. Yeah. That's not my thing. So I... um. I think finding finding people you would like to see be in good positions if you have that capacity to help them, it starts with wanting to be nice and kind to one another. So mm -hmm. it's it's from the heart with me. Mm -hmm. you know, I always I always reserve that for art to the heart. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So when you talk about like whether you know whether you can help them or how you can help an artist, what do you think? How would you describe the biggest contribution that you make? I probably give an an air of confidence. I can help 
your confidence 100% mm. from you thinking you can do it to you knowing you can do it. See, the dream is perspective. If we mm. wake up and we say we are, therefore it is. It's not, you know, that much mind control here. Um, that's a, that's a, that's brilliant. Thank you. No, I, I, I hate to call, I hate to sit here and call you brilliant, but it is. <laughs> um, I, I, um, so I've, I've studied a lot of leadership and, and, you know, self-development in the, in the context of helping lead others, right? So I'm trying to build a company and a family and all these things that require me to step up and be a leader. And one of the, um, I did a program called Strategic Coach, which was like, a, you know, year long, uh, intensive training. And the guy, I would say the guy's core message was build, help your people build their confidence, be, which is a, a different approach to leadership in the sense of, cause you're trying to get people to follow you, right? And you're trying to get them to follow your advice, your counsel, whatever. But I think you're hundred percent right that the more confident people are in themselves, the more flow there is. Right. The more they can create, the more they can promote themselves, the more they can do all the things that are necessary. And that's true in any job, but maybe especially true in this where you are your brand and the product and it's all wrapped up in one. And the criticism can be brutal and unfair and, you know, all of that. And without that confidence, you're not going to get there. Honestly, uh, when I started, after a year and a half, I was like, I'm going to go home. Yeah. I wanted to give up. What, what, what made you have that feeling? Because nothing was sure. You know, I left everybody behind and uh, I, had no, I had no ground, you know. It's like I didn't know enough people in this town. Yeah. I felt really by myself. I was trying to fight myself through the team even though I was already with the team but mm -hmm. it, there was so much insecurity that I just didn't enjoy the process in the beginning I got so stressed out and uh, my mom was like why don't you come home that's when I got a call from from somebody in the Netherlands that was part of the team and his name is Dennis then I said, well, Hand, I heard some of your songs already. I don't want you to give up. Mm. You're going to regret this the rest of your life if you're going to go home now. What are you going to do? Wow. Going to make the same circle again in your country? And I go, well, how am I supposed to deal with this, you know? He said, I know. I know everything. <laughs> he said, but nobody's doing what you're doing. So don't give up, you know? And... Um, and then I called my mom. I said, Mom, I'm gonna stay. So I want you to be supportive as you've always been. Have my back. And don't tell me to give up anymore, because I won't. <laughs> and that's nice. when I continued here. Yeah. Yeah. It was never easy. I didn't like LA. Yeah. I hated LA the first year. <laughs> honestly. I've heard of it a lot. I think LA is a hard town. It's very hard. The culture is so different from where I come from. Sure. So it's Well, like, and, and especially, you know, um, I don't know that much about the Dutch market, but it's a small market. 
right? And, and obviously right. you're on a couple of big TV shows, you won an Edison Award, like there's, uh, uh, you, you had built something there. Yeah. And then to come here where no one had ever heard of Edison or those shows yeah. or any of that, and you're starting over, that's, yeah. that's not, that can't be easy. But I'm glad I did it because everything that eventually helped happened and just the whole learning experience to have the abili ability to have the time to create like an album and take the time for that. Yeah. That was the best thing I ever did. Just start all over. Just so did you approach this album differently than you did yeah, back home? Yeah, so many ways, yeah. Yeah? What do you mean? Well... First of all, I was a different woman, mm. so lyrically I had so many more things to say. And, and because nobody knew me here, like, you know, in my home country, sometimes when I started writing with people, they already knew who I was, where I come from. So I felt kind of, I locked myself, built a wall around me, and I wasn't very open in these writing sessions. Mm -hmm. Now when I came here, I was like, okay, I want to talk about this that right about, and nobody judged me for it because nobody knew who I was and they didn't they didn't give it right you know yeah so that was a that was a very nice experience and um, that made the whole process so differently that that the songs became more honest more mm. closer to me and then the production part was interesting because Davy Nathan my producer and I we started from scratch so we we spent so many days together just creating beats and melodies and, and because of his Jewish background we had this great Arabic kind of connection uh -huh. so once he started to play these riffs on his key keyboard um, he was like do you like this I said yeah do you like this song I said no it should be more you know on that part so that was such a fun part to me because he was one of the first ones that actually really did understand how to use that sound with not overdoing it uh, or disrespecting it. It just went organically. Mm. And Philip embraced that part. And he was just, we just got to find a way to, to make this approachable to people here in the United States. So that was that was that was great just to have that time to to play, you know. It was, sometimes we went too much on the pop side. Sometimes it was, he came with these heavy beats. I still have a few like they're they're crazy. They're mm -hmm. they're so good, but they were not for me. So we had to throw them away. Yeah, but it was such a fun experience. I bet. Yeah. But and then there was like Brody Brown. Philip once came into the studio and he goes, I have a few ideas for you. And he played me this one track and it just had the instrument, it was like an instrumental. And it was the first song that was actually played by a whole band. So, mm. you know, he starts telling about Brody, who he is, what he did. Um, and then he told me that basically all the instruments he played himself. Mm. <laughs> That's and cool. I knew when he played that song, it was for me. I was like, "Can I have it, please? You know, can I? Can we play with it?" Yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, no, no, of course. Why don't you start writing with Davy and a bunch of other people?" And became 
the 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 R&B's kind of song on my album, and the album title of of yeah the title of the album, um, which is A plus A plus yeah cool. So yeah, and I just fell in love with that song. And yeah, I just admire Brody for his work. So it was such a gift to have that song. Yeah, the album. yeah. Well, I know what you're doing um, is sort of blending genres. To R and B and pop and you know some dance, uh, yeah. So, how's um, I don't know. We we come from a time. Maybe I'm stuck in it because I'm sure you've evolved. Uh, where genre kind of is so important and it, it defines, you know, who an artist is, right? And um, you know, I remember. When I was managing, you know, my my artists were like, you know, I'm making a record for this block, right? And my my guys that I grew up with have to love it, and and either I don't care if anybody else loves it, or I don't want to make a record for other people, right? And so they're so defined by that, and that's all old thinking, right? Like, you no, know, that that's not how the music business works anymore. Um, I'm curious how you think about sort of genre playing out today I deal with the genre list yeah if you fall into a specific category it's probably not good for my eclecticness mm -hmm. so I'm not the uh, by the time an artist is rocking with me they don't actually fall into any specific category they're kind of like they do more than one thing they're more than just a one trick pony usually mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I, I tend to be on the page of if you're not worth it in your own backyard, then why do I care with artists still? So what does that mean today? Well, you know, if we want to get scientific about it, um, you know, you look at a Kodak Black and not only is it important for Kodak Black to be respected in his hood, he stays connected to his community. Right. And his records are about hood things. Mm -hmm. um, but if you cross over to a Christina Aguilera, we will, you know, I worked on her album. Okay. And she needed that same kind of, you know, rebirth. She wanted to go take her sound back to the essence or, you know, keep it street. Mm -hmm. She's known for getting down with it, but having a big voice over that sort of a thing. And there's a lot of, symmetry to what LaRussi does and to what she was trying to do through that. Okay. And a lot of the same players on, on both projects as well. Yeah. So it's just, it's interesting that, um, I think our old school mentality stays. That's, that's the official look. If you can get that, that's official. Right. But you got to know that there is another wave coming and, you know, I say a Kodak Black, but you know that's because he's at the he's at the top of the food chain now. Mm -hmm. um, there's Little Baby, there's Gunna, and there's a lot of rap music, and we do know the difference of hip hop and rap mm -hmm. in terms of like musical treats and how that process goes. But I, I'd like to think that if we were to just sit back and, and say, well, what's the difference of? I think it's all encompassing, mm -hmm. and I think that there's still a, a rue that certain things float up to the top and there are certain things that are sediments that are just strong that hold it all together at the bottom. Mm. Yeah. 
speaking of Creole. <laughs> nice. What, Adrian, what, um, what artists have you worked with that's had the biggest impact on the way you do business or think Quincy. about music? Quincy Jones. What'd you, yeah. what'd you learn from him? Um, well, that was when Big Bro was over there running a label. And I used to, I was doing, uh, I was signing talent at mm -hmm. Warner, but I couldn't keep my ass at my office to save my life. So I'd always wind up at Quest. Right. And, you know, it was right up the street, walking distance. So I'd be over there bothering. I mean, I, I was in their meetings, their personal, like, employees only meetings. I would be in there sitting there. And Quincy would say, for the life of me, I don't remember hiring you. <laughs> like, because I don't work here. Right. <laughs> he's like well you might want to get out of here because I'm about to get in everybody's ass and he started yelling um, he was yelling at the top of his lungs about why we don't have more young people I want some youth up in this piece and blah 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 and he's like I'm tired of looking at people that look like me and I was like oh I got it figured out and so I hit fade and I was like yo I got it figured out and he's just like you got what figured out I said the young people thing he's just like you actually listening to him I was like <laughs> Am I the only person in the room who don't work there that was listening? All right. So I brought I brought him a group. He signed them, called Young American. Okay. And Quincy was like, I don't know what part of the conversation you stayed for, but thank you. And at that time, you know, I wasn't doing bad, so I wasn't looking for a check or anything. But that was the check. Mm. Him saying yeah, sure. thank you to me, and and remembering it, you know, some. 15 years later yeah, and having the, you know, he's, he's done so much in terms of just like, you know, with his documentary out right now, I bring the relevance to people always trying to tell me like, well, who's the most famous person you dealt with in the business of music? Quincy Jones. This is a fun one. I know a lot of you have kids like I do. My son is nine, but uh, back in the day when he was like preschool age, one of his favorite shows was Paw Patrol. He still talks about it sometimes. And, um, you know, I know navigating your kids' entertainment is an ongoing challenge for all parents. So let your preschoolers know two of their favorite Nickelodeon shows, Paw Patrol and Top Wing, are soaring to new heights with brand new high-flying adventures. The Paw Patrol pups are taken to the sky to save Adventure Bay from out-of-control flying melons. You know what I'm talking about. And the Top Wing Cadets are headed up, up, and away in their new HQ Command Flyer. These are a great show that your, your little guys are going to love. Uh, they probably already do. If not, make sure they see it. Get ready to soar. Friday, March 15th, starting at 12, 11 Central, only on Nickelodeon. Uh, let, let's talk about that, Going, kind of going through that and... Adrian, I know, so you, you know, when I met you, you working at Buzztone and then Warner and, you know, all these big companies, um, or at least to me, they felt like big companies. I don't know. Uh, mm -hmm. How is it different? So, and now you've been on your own, had your own company for many years. Um, what do you miss about working for somebody else? Um good question what do I miss I miss not having to pay rent oh I miss it yeah I miss that part 
bless their heart, those that don't have to pay rent. Sure. I miss free mailing. <laughs> I don't even mail shit like that, but I'd love to just be at an office just anymore, to, yeah, right. you know, I, exactly. But yeah, I probably would if I had a mail I would, room. I, I would utilize the mail room. Sure. I would definitely be in the mail room. It's the underutilized space. And I think um, as far as infrastructure goes, I don't really miss that too much because it's more bureaucracy at a, yeah. at a stronger company like Warner. Um, and bureaucratic is not how you get art right. going. So, you know, I don't know much people get that part. But um, mm-hmm. um, I miss a salary. I miss a regular salary. <laughs> I understand. I can't front, man. You know, because um, I was broke. We were broke. We didn't do this for the salary. We did it for the, you know, yeah, for the opportunity to just be a part of something. And before Quincy said that, it almost didn't dawn on me that we can, you know, do whatever really we want. I mean, you don't know this part necessarily about me, but yeah. It, so I, hopefully you'll learn something about each other today. That's part of the idea. I definitely, yeah, have learned something about LaRussi. And <laughs> I'm going to be on YouTube later for those who want to join me. YouTube is dot com NL forward slash NL. Yeah, man. I, I, um, I miss the handoff. I learned about the major labels as being an independent person with respect to it having a handoff. And then being at the major label and your boss being somebody like Benny Medina and Benny saying, well, how much money did you spend on signing him? I was like, oh, I got him for a really good deal. That ain't enough. Go back and offer him more money. (laughs) Make sure they don't sign with somebody else. Right. I learned a lot about, you know, and that was a different era as well. Sure. Yeah, of course. They don't, you know, you don't got Although the numbers. Although labels are spending a lot of money on signings now. Yeah, but it's a little bit more even, Steven, because they're so calculative with right. their moves. I guarantee Mike Karen's going to know exactly how much money he's spending and when it's coming back. Sure. So, you know, I, I like that, but that's not what makes me work with artists still mm-hmm. to this day it's not the numbers you know i'm encouraged by the numbers i even tell the artist don't worry about that part well that'll come you know mm-hmm. it looks good but what matters is when people show up for yeah. you when they show up that's what's up so i just as far as like the major label thing i missed the handoff mm-hmm. and i'm I, I don't really miss it because i get it at any given point like any major labels listening to this right now you can be in business with LaRussi. It's real simple. Call me. 1-800-ADRIAN-L. Get at me. Nice. <laughs> now I'm down to do the handoff. I mean, please, Lord Jesus. It's a lot of work. Susan? <laughs> <laughs> and I want her to be so... This is, this is a funny interview, and I'm going to just predict the future. Please. When she does not want to come back and do another interview with you, why am I going to do Josh? We did Josh's thing. La, uh-huh. la, la, la. Because Rebel Radio is where I predict that you're going to sell a million records. Nice. And I don't do predictions. I just don't even care about predictions. But well, now you have. Yeah, I have to now. So. I love it. That's, That's why you got to go back oh. to Rebel Radio. Yay. Come back, we'll, do the, we'll celebrate. Yes, we'll and celebrate. if not a million records, we're going to settle for a million streams. 
Sure. We'll take it. Million something. Take it how we get it. Yeah, it'll be it'll be an increment of million Let's something. Take it back, yeah. Adrian. It was so good. No, 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 no. I just want to be realistic. No, it's okay. We have the sound bite. Right? We, yeah. Then we just, yeah. just keep yeah. going over it. <laughs> well, all you have to do is do that That's several right. hundred thousand million times. And, yeah. da, 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 and then people just fall for like, what? She sold a million records? That's right. <laughs> yeah. You guys missed the whole boat. Absolutely. Don't miss the record. A plus out now in stores. Hey. No, actually, it's not. <laughs> No, there will be when this airs. Well, because there's no stores, but it would be in stores if there was any stores. Yeah, that's what I mean. Stores. Going to the store and buy actual CD cover. Sure. So her single got remixed by her DJ. Lost. Yeah. Lost is remixed by Chris Cox and a handful of other guys. Okay. Um, it just became the breakout dance record on Billboard. Nice. So next week it'll chart and congratulations. Yeah, man, she's off to the races in a real way. That's that's, that's something. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So you know, for for being independent and one minute not sure if you can put a record out to sure. be in a breakout, and that's an honest, non-working breakout that's just servicing and. So this record's coming out independently. Yes. Cool. So far, so good. We can hand it off, though, at any given point. Anybody out there listening in Radio Land? I get it. Get at me, me, dog. You can have conversations. Well, I'll tell you, I don't have a, um, I never have actually had a job, so I don't have anything to miss. Right. But. You had a partial job. Well, I've had a lot of partial jobs. Yeah. But but I've never had a job, you know. You were worthy, like, by the way. That's not the point. By the way, you were worthy of any job you wanted. I appreciate that. I've always because, been working. Let's say that. Yeah, that's why I'm saying like it would be dumb not to hire Josh. But uh, once in a while, so I I don't know really what I would miss. Um, I do think you know the not having to worry about every single thing would be that's a cool idea. Um, and then you know I go I just was at CES yesterday and I go to a lot of like conferences or whatever just because I feel like I should be at those places. And then once in a while, I'm like, wouldn't it be cool to be here on a budget and have like, and it, you know, not expense just account. Well, not just a, yeah, an expense account, but also like we could throw a party. Yeah, at we're supposed. How about who's not su- me is paying for? We're supposed to be throwing this party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we're going to do a, like exactly. I, I love those type of opportunities. Sure. Like I have to do a party. Like right. that's when I'm going to do it. Other than that, I don't have any desire. For sure. And I do that stuff anyway. You know, yeah. I had a little party in Vegas, but it's like, it's it would be nice to spend somebody else's money doing that and just sort of not think OPM. about it. OPM. For sure. It's supposed to be OPM. Yeah. If you're enjoying this one, you know, I love digging into stories of up and coming artists starting out and uh, where music and culture is at right now. There's lots of really interesting challenges. So let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives. A couple years ago, I talked to a group called Watch the Duck, one of my favorite new groups out, um, blending dance music with soul in uh, with that southern southern soul funk in a really interesting way. They've been working with Steve Aoki, with Ti, um, and they tell us some great stories about finding their own sound that's a little bit different than what might have been expected from them. Watch the Duck also has a new single out right now called Curious. Check it out on all the streaming services. And go back and check that interview after you finish up with LaRussi. So, okay. Um, 
we're talking about sort of being independent and and starting over. Um, how how much? You know, you sort of talked about the difference between making this album and 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 the rest, but um, where you're at now, like how much of your Dutchness is that a word? Yeah, well, I don't think it is. I understand what you mean, Josh. <laughs> is uh, are you conscious about what you preserve or what you bring with you from, you know, from where you come from versus being here? I don't think about it. No, it's just. I just be myself. Yeah. When you make music. Do you notice certain things? Well, I heard in the beginning that I had an accent. <laughs> you do? Uh, yeah. I didn't but... know that. <laughs> write that down. <laughs> no, but seriously, when I, you know, there was one time that I was in a recording with Philip and he was like, I'll just work on your pronunciation a little mm. bit. But other than that, no. No, just you don't think, yeah. You know, I've I've traveled the world also, yeah, so it's sure. not like I've, I've lived my whole life in Netherlands and didn't go anywhere. Of course, I love traveling. I love meeting new people, just exploring cultures, performing for different different audiences. So the Dutch culture, it's who I am. But I was also raised as an African in a way, so right. I was raised up in two cultures. So. I always blend the two. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no. I surround myself with Dutch people here. Do you? That's a, yeah. That's something that happened organically. Is there? I don't. I don't meet a lot of Dutch people here in LA. That's crazy because there, that's that's kind of a community yeah? here. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't, I don't think I've really come across it. No, but I'm not. Is. I guess I'm, obviously yeah. I'm not in those places. Right. But they're here, yeah. No, I have some great friends here. Yeah. Very, very, very nice. And they, they've been very supportive. They've yeah. been there for me the last three years. And it's just nice to talk about things that are not here sometimes. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. They uh, they call me and they're like, come eat with us. And then they make it Dutch food. Yeah. So it makes me. Feel you don't like go food. to Dutch food. Are there Dutch restaurants in LA? Uh, no. No. <laughs> but honestly, I miss the Moroccan food more than oh, I Oh, yeah. Food. Well, Moroccan food's better than Dutch food. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I can cook Moroccan food, so. Really? And she will. Okay, we're coming over for <laughs> Yes. That. Million people can come eat Moroccan <laughs> food. That's what we were going to do. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. The spices are so amazing. It's funny because we were talking about Amsterdam. And we had, the last time I went, I took the family and we, we took an apartment there for a week. And we had great. Every meal was great, except when we went to like a Dutch restaurant. Like everything else was fantastic. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> the I had the best Turkish food in Turkish Turkish was good too, yeah. Yeah. But I promise you the Moroccan is better. Oh yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't doubt it. <laughs> okay. Um, how are we doing on time, James? Oh, we're late. Cool. I have a lightning round that I'd like to ask people before I let you go. Wait, you're from Gouda? Yes. That's a place. It's, yeah. And they make the cheese there. The best. Because we've heard of the cheese, <laughs> but not the city. They actually F made it in my grand grandma's house. No way. I swear. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I was in Italy this summer and I went to uh, Parma. 
Okay. Oh, yum. Which, you know, I I didn't, I'd heard of, you know, I've had Parma ham. I didn't really, like, until I walked in. So I walked into this restaurant and there, the entire wall was about a 30 foot ceiling was cheese wheels. And like all, all the way across, it was like, it was a hundred cheese wheels. And I was like, oh, Parmigiano. Oh, par-. Like, I totally didn't get it until that moment. They're like, oh, this, the cheese is named after this place. So I had no idea there was a place named Gouda, yeah. but we're glad there is because it's delicious. And the waffles. I got the most famous waffles. So there's a truck here in LA that sells stove waffles. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah I've I had... still have to find it. <laughs> I found I've a place where that. they have the licorice now, my favorite candy. Oh, really? But now I still have to find the truck. Yeah. Like I used to go every Saturday with my parents to the market. We buy the fresh cheese. Yeah. And then they were always giving me a treat, which is this throw box. It was so big. It was hot. It was huh. amazing. <laughs> so that's the tradition. It's still in the family. Okay. Lightning round. Um, what's your favorite city to travel to? I would say Capri. Very beautiful. Yeah. Very beautiful. And uh, I just love Italy because, you know, they have the richest culture to me. Food is delicious. Mm. People are great. Um, you know, the buildings. I mean, Rome is just one of my favorite places. But if yeah. I talk about holidays, I would say Capri. Mm. Yeah. The food is delicious. I was, but I was there this summer and we noticed, like, it's just Italian food. Like, That's, after. Yeah, of course. Which is not bad. <laughs> but, you know, we, we live here where you eat a different food every yeah, meal. Yeah, every, every yeah. different food. Yeah. And we were there, and like, five days in, it was like. <laughs> Pasta or pizza? Like, what are we having today? And that was, anyway. You mentioned Paris. Favorite, favorite place. But unfortunately, because I just I ball so hard when I'm there. I can't front. Like, Like I was okay. The last time we were there, we had a show at the uh, big arena with Bruno Mars. So I went with Regina. Mm. I took Regina King to the show. We went there after we went to the Roland Garros, which is the French Open. Yeah. We call it the French Open. They don't. Yeah. Of course. So we're, yeah, we're there hanging out all day long. And next thing I know, I'm in one of the most exclusive little dives doing hookah. I have a get down in Paris like no other. I don't understand why it's so beautiful or why it's always top tier. And even without that particular trip, all my trips there have been insane. Like, um, are you familiar with Mama Shelter in yeah, Hollywood? Yeah. Well, the, the, the main one is in France. Yeah. So the owners are brothers. Mm. So I go there and I stay for like Holiday Inn money just because I know the brothers. So it, it, and it's in the middle of the 11th. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, again, mm-hmm. I'm at a, a different tier and, I, and I'm there and Sway's calling me like, yo, I heard you were in France. I'm like, where are you at? I'm right here. I'm right here. Boom. Mm-hmm. We, and it's just always like that. It's like all my people... And the hardest thing was to find a haircut, how to get it, you know. But that's, that's the thing. Why? I get my waves together. <laughs> There's no way around it. Who's your favorite DJ? Chris Cox. Hey. Is he an American or he's Dutch? He's American. Okay. Yeah. He lives in Vegas. Who's your favorite Dutch DJ? Ooh, I would say Armin. Okay. Armin. Armin from Gouda. Adrian. My favorite DJ? Yeah. 
uh, DJ or no. on-air personality? Yes, that's good. <laughs> Great question. Uh, no, Garth, I like Garth Trinidad. Yes. for his his selection and playlist. We love Garth. He's been on the show. Um, good friend. I really have a fascination with people like Lou, DJ Rashida, mm-hmm. Tendaji Lathan. Mm-hmm. These are people who functionally play shit that I would play. Yeah. And me being people's favorite DJ, I'd like to think I, you know, got a half a playlist myself. You know, but, um, oh, for my birthday, Jazzy Jeff gave me a remix of one of my songs and said, happy birthday, Adrian, and put it to me on a, on a zip drive. I was just like, on a flash drive, I was like, what? <laughs> so J- Jeff is probably top tier, one of my favorite DJs. I can't front. But I like all those people, too. Nice. If I have a birthday party, ultimate birthday party is having all of them DJ. What's the last great book you read? Um, I read a few. It was about a politician in Netherlands. And, uh, uh, it's, it's a long story. How, how can I explain it? With the title? I can't even translate it. Anyways, it was what it was basically about her as a she was a refugee from Somalia, had a very bad childhood. Oh, uh, Lirshi Ali. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, I forget that. I'm trying to remember the name of the book, but I've seen it. And she came to the Netherlands, became a politician, and she was very. I would say very open-minded, but also upfront with her ideas, mm-hmm. and not a lot of people could relate to that. So there was a lot of uh, people against her, and I thought, you know, I disagreed with some of her thoughts and beliefs because where I come from, mm-hmm. she disrespected also some things, but I could understand where she came from and the, and the journey she took so I, I there was this respect that i gained when i started reading about her yeah 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 i love her story i've i haven't read the book but i've seen her a bunch on bill maher and i think she's hugely inspirational i love what you the the ability to be inspired by somebody who you might disagree with i think is yeah incredible no i've i've interviewed like, for example, there was a minister in my country, and I was back home. I was an ambassador for a refugee organization, mm. and it was at the time where there was there was just a lot of discussion about it. The politics were, we were just like, well, they wanted to close the borders, and it was bad. It was really bad. Mm-hmm. So I started interviewing her, and I just... I just didn't like her because of the things that she said in the newspapers. But she, mainly is how she treated the human being. They just, mm. you know, when when they come to the Netherlands and they are, they're trying to stay there, they put you in prison, mm-hmm. and it's it's a real prison. I went there to see it, talk to the people, etc. And it just broke my heart because these people they didn't violate anything. Sure. Yeah. So I talked to her about it on national radio. And this was when I still disliked her in so many ways. And But she was in her role as a minister president. After she stopped, 
friend of mine, she started throwing an event for these strong, it's called the Strong Women Award in the Netherlands, my friend Betty. And she invited Rita Verdonk. And I was, I was like, why did you do that? Why, why are you going to actually present her that award? Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, but you don't know her as the way I do know her. I said, well, what do I need to know about her more than the things that she said and did? I said, well, I think you should talk to her about it. And that was the moment when I met her in a whole different surrounding. And I was like, okay, I understand. We won't be best friends mm -hmm. <laughs> ever, sure. but I understand where you come from. So yeah, it was quite, uh, it was quite, it was, it was learning experience for me as well because I when I was young I used to judge people very fast mm -hmm. and now I'm like maybe I should get the time to meet them better before I have my opinion ready mm -hmm. so, yeah cool Adrian you got a book for us um, just finished Shantaram okay and I'm now reading Brief History of Seven Killings oh, by Marlon James I love James. that book yeah, great book. So good. I'm I'm at the end, so don't do that. I'm not, but okay, it's cool. a it's a fantastic. Book. I did an audio book, which oh yeah, no, I'm reading the hard copy. Like more fun because yeah, you get accents. to hear the accents yeah, and stuff. Yeah, oh, I wish I'm, I'm, I probably should do that. It's, yeah, what movie have you seen the most in your life? I don't know. I think you're gonna laugh about it. I'm definitely gonna <laughs> laugh about it. <laughs> I've seen The Corpse Bride of Tim Burton so oh, many wow. times, like so many times. Okay. Because it's inspired me in so many ways. Um, he's my he's my favorite director. Um, mm. He always, he takes me to this place where everything can happen, you know? Sure. I like that about him. But um, not only for that, but also the collaboration with Danny Elfman. Mm -hmm. I just love these the songs, mm -hmm. uh, the production. You know, ever since I was little, I I was in doing musicals, and actually, right before I started to sing, uh, to start uh, recording my first record with BMG, I was asked to be to play the lead role in The Lion King, and oh, cool. I basically said no because I want to purchase my yeah. dream as a musician. But so I always had that musical thing. So, yeah, yeah, Corpse Bride still is. Okay. Yeah. Is it from you? <laughs> well, Have you seen it? No. Okay, well, you should see it. Okay. <laughs> what movie have you seen the most? Split again for two. Um, Cooley High. Oh. And Clockwork Orange. Oh, wow. Thank you. That's a weird combination. Do you watch them back to back? Mm, probably have. <laughs> That's a, okay. I went blind watching Clockwork Orange. Yeah, yeah, as you can. Should I? Is you should. Big movies? Uh, uh, they're cool classics. Yeah, definitely cult classics. Cult classics. Um, no, I really, I, I had to start wearing glasses after watching one like, Probably the third time I watched it. My, my mom was like, you need glasses. For sure. I had the Godfather to me also. Yeah, for sure. Oh, everybody with that. Yeah. For sure. Um, so complete the sentence. I don't have talent. I have blank. I don't know. I don't have talent. 
have a heart. A heart. Oh, that's cool. Adrian, complete the sentence. I don't have talent. I have courage. That's good. So if I worked for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Hey. <laughs> yeah. For real? My friends, they keep saying that to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Adrian, what do you say over and over to the people when they work for you? No, oh, okay. It's <laughs> my thing. All right. Yeah. And uh, lastly, who would you be most excited to learn appreciates your work? Uh, I would say there's not one person. It's just for me, my fans, the people that would listen to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because those are the people that I'm in music for, yeah. not just for myself. And once they, you know, come to the show, just uh, they give me the experience that I can do what I love to do most, that is singing. Nice. Adrian, if somebody, somebody I'm, said, hey. I'm blown hey. away every time somebody comes up and says, you did this, you did that. Yeah. And it's happened with Jeff. It's happened with Pharrell. It's happened with Kanye. It's happened with Dre. Mm -hmm. Like, so I guess that kind of like thing leads me to want to be uh, noticed or recognized by humanitarian things or, or a global citizen mm. committee saying, you know, we recognize you or some sort of like, you know, uh, existence from a bigger source. Ben Crump recently said, you know, I love the music that you are involving yourself in and around. And that says a lot to me. Nice. So just same kind of her. Anybody and everybody that is into it. Cool. Well, I know you're uh, starting to work on some things that that uh, will have some impact on humanity beyond music. So we'll have you back and talk about those Absolutely. when you're ready. I'm, I'm totally into that. And we're going to have you back and talk about your million <laughs> seller. <laughs> yes, well, we maybe we'll be in Amsterdam then. Yes, we will. Let's do it in Amsterdam. Okay. I love it. So, we'll go no, to, we're going to at your house. We're going yeah. to Amsterdam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she has a house there. She's you know, I don't see she balling, but she balling. So we'll record the next one at your house in Amsterdam, and then we're going to Paris. That's what we figured out yes. today. Viva France. <laughs> Love That's it. it. Thank you guys for being here. Yeah, man. Thank you. For um, how does everybody find you online? Uh, Instagram, mm -hmm. MS LaRussi. Same for Facebook. Twitter. Cool. Hashtag what? Hashtag MS LaRussi. Cool. I'm going to hurt her. What's your hashtag now? Oh, my hashtag is Lucy. What else? Do you also hashtag? Please, thank you. Zion. Hashtag Zion, of course. No, it's hashtag powered by Zion. Powered by Zion. X Y I O N. Love it. Yeah. Lost is out now. Yes. Blowing up the dance charts. Soon come. And A plus is coming out. Yeah, A plus is coming out soon as well. Awesome. We'll be watching. Thank you so much. Right on. Yeah, y'all. Yeah. yeah, Josh, <laughs> Rebel Radio, and James. Yeah. Yo, that was LaRussi and my man Adrian Miller here on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, leave us a review. 
a comment on iTunes, on Spotify. Uh, hit us on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net, Facebook page at Rebel Radio Net. Check out videos from our episodes on our YouTube page. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio.